0: Welcome to another edition of the Deseret News Ute Insiders Podcast. Hey, it's Rivalry Week, and this episode is brought to you by the Salt Lake Stallions. You can buy tickets at com or by calling 1-833-AAF-2019. Enough of the formalities. Let's get on with the show. Welcome to a special edition of Desert News U and Insiders Podcast. Today we're going to talk about the big games and the rivalry with BYU. I'm joined today by a couple of veterans, Brad Rock and Mike Sorensen. Guys, glad to
1: have you with us. Great to be here. Good to be here for another rivalry game.
0: Rivalry week is here this year, a little unique. It's at the end of the season, a first time since Utah's been in the Pac-12 such a game has taken place so late in the season do you guys like that
1: Brad what do you think you know to me uh it I would I would rather see the game played earlier in the season I I think that there's enough on the line conference wise for Utah uh bowl ramifications for both teams I'd I'd, I'd rather see them just get it get it done early how
0: about you Mike does it just feel natural to be at the end of the season or would you like to see it earlier as well now that they're not no longer in the same conference
2: a couple of years ago I thought I'd never say that to have it at the end of the year but I think uh, I like, I'm like Brad I like it at the beginning of the year now because they're not in the same conference when they yeah. were it was a very natural thing and it was great to have it but now it, it's almost like an afterthought because Utah they'll be done with their conference season and they'll say oh we got one more game and it's not it's that big of a deal but it's always a big deal the rivalry game but it's not quite the same just the fact that they're not in the same conference
0: right and you know maybe the one good thing about it being late guys is we didn't have to spend all summer hyping up the season opener with BYU right <laughs> That's we have one good, week yeah. to get it, uh, <laughs> get it hyped <clears throat> well let's look back on the biggest games in the rivalry or at least the most memorable games uh, The rivalry goes back a long ways obviously and you know we're old guys but we're not that old we don't go f- too far back but so we apologize to our older friends who might remember some classic games and back in the day. I still like to think that games that were played in the 70s and 80s are back in the day as well, but uh, <laughs> that kind of shows our uh, our age. Mike, is there a game that, that comes to memory to you that... Uh was special between the youths and the Cougars. They had some really close games, obviously, the last couple of years.
2: Well, probably the one that Brad's going to do. Uh, back when we were in college together, back in 78, that was a memorable <laughs> game. And I'm yeah. sure Brad can give you some details. But that was a big one because of what had happened the year before. You know, I was down at that game in Provo in 77. In Mark yeah. Wilson set an NCAA record, 571 yards, something like that. And uh, at the end of the game, he was still in there. And the BYU was ahead 27 to nothing. And Wayne Howard was so upset by that. That's when he did his famous speech after the game said we hate BYU and this is going to we're going to drill them sometime and so anyway they came back the next year 123 to 22 on Randy Gomez's pass fourth down pass was it to Frank Henry Mm -hmm. and uh, 123 22 scored with two minutes to go and that was Jim McMahon. He actually outplayed Jim McMahon, who was a freshman at the time. So anyway, that was a big game.
1: Yeah, I wasn't far enough up the food chain to even cover that game, but I remember being in a shopping mall or something when the game was there. I was with my wife, and the clerk was weeping, and we <laughs> and I said, "What's the matter? She, Utah beat BYU." Now I didn't know. I still don't know this day if she was upset or if she was weeping with with joy. joy. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I didn't get the I didn't get the chance to cover that game. But it was. I agree with you, Mike, especially on a uh, on the tale of Wayne Howard's comment that the hatred would, would continue forever the next year he comes back and beats him.
0: Let me jump ahead 10 years, guys, because when I was at the Chronicle, the big game, obviously, was when Utah defeated BYU, I think it was what, 57-28, in what was affectionately known at the time as the Rice Bowl. And uh, that was a, a big-time game. What, what do you remember about that, Mike? I know you have fun memories of that game.
2: I have memories because I was not covering it. I was actually in the in the stands with another fellow sports writer, and we were watching the game just uh, just for the interest of the game. And it was, it was just shocking because, you know, I, you know, I, I don't say it was shocking. I actually was picking football scores at the time, and I remember that I picked it. 31 to 28 for utah just kind of on a whim and uh, i got byu score right but i was off by 26 points on utah score it was a shocker to win 57 points to 28 for byu but you know scott mitchell had a, a terrific game uh eddie johnson had four touchdowns sam uh, Tosinga had that 17 yard interception return so it was uh quite the uh quite the game yeah, and you know, uh,
1: I do. I do remember the the fallout of that thing was it such a big deal that people ran on a the field, they pulled down the goalpost, and then they they split the goalpost up into little tiny pieces and sold them as keychains with the score written on that uh, on those keychains. So yeah, that's how epic it was as they actually uh, memorialized it with uh, with keychains. You
0: know, I apologize to my friends at the Grove Deli who I visit as often as I can, but I believe a section of that goalpost uh, sits behind the counter there where they make the sandwiches too, so if you want to see a piece <laughs> okay. of that, it's either that or another win over BYU, if I apologize if I don't get it correctly, but uh, that was it you know, I have fond memories too of that game because uh, I was at the Chronicle and we sent out Christmas cards that year and we had a picture of the goalpost coming down <laughs> And it just said, may your Christmas be as special as, was it, November 19th. And we had the scoreboard on there and stuff. And got a little grief from our uh, institute friends and a few people that didn't really like that. But uh, that was a big win, and that kind of broke up uh, Really big run for BYU in that series, didn't it?
2: Yeah, no, Brad. When Brad said that, it reminds me. I had got. I have one of those pieces of the goalpost. My, my BYU relatives gave it to me for Christmas that year. A piece of that goalpost on a trophy somewhere in my house. I don't know. I don't, I don't put it. Just, I don't display it prominently. But I did get a piece of that goalpost. That little ring.
0: Now let me. Uh, I apologize to Utah fans. I got to bring this up, but I was uh, I was editor of the Crony the next year, and uh, of course the game shifted to Provo. And there was a guy named Ty Detmer quarterbacking BYU, and if I remember right, BYU scored touchdowns. They were a little mad from the game the year before, but they scored. I believe on their first seven possessions, they scored touchdowns, and Ty Detmer was just drilling it down there. BYU won that game seventy to thirty-one, and I remember that game because. There's a tradition that the Sports Editor of the Chronicle and the Sports Editor of the Daily Universe swap columns that week. And I'm all, you know, Utah just beat BYU, and I wrote this cocky little thing. And uh, I I was pretty meek when the game was over. But, uh, you know, now the modern era, Utah's bounced back. But I just remember that game... Sp- you know, real well because Ty Detmer and the Cougars just came out the next year. They were angry, and it showed.
1: Yeah, they were winning. Utah was winning every ten years at that point, and then, uh, and then it started to turn around in the nineties. And uh, you know, I have one of those games on my list.
2: Mike, do you remember that seventy thirty one game? I do because it was forty nine to nothing at halftime for BYU, and they could have probably won a hundred to nothing. And weren't they like
0: seven for seven in touchdown? Yeah, drives? it was unbelievable.
2: I mean, Ty Detmer was a was a, a sophomore at the time, I think, and Scott Mitchell had gotten hurt the week before, so right. he wasn't even playing. And the backup was there, and they were just totally outclassed. I mean, the BYU just kind of let them play the second half. That's how they got 31 points, but they totally dominated that game.
0: Well, they were fun memories. I remember at the crony we did, a, you know, we do a special section, at least we used to back in the day for the Utah BYU game. And we weren't sure if Scott Mitchell was going to play or not, but we had him on the cover of our special section, and I finally had to peel off the original headline and put Scott Mitchell, will he play, question mark. That was what became the title. Because remember that week, there was a lot of speculation. Utah wasn't saying whether Mitchell was going to play or not. I don't think it would have mattered the way BYU came out and won that game. But, uh, well, uh, we're kind of geograph or not geographically, but Chronological. chronologically. <laughs> chronologically, see, I went to Utah. No, I'm just kidding. But You put those... Uh, you put that timetable in front of us now. Let's
1: kind of move in. Are there some games? What's the next game that comes to your mind, Brad? You know, it came to my mind, and I wasn't even there. But the reason it stands out is I was with the Jazz. I was in New York, and the Jazz were playing the night of the Utah BYU game in 93 when Chris Juergensen came and kicked his uh, uh, kicked his 55-yard field goal, and they won the first of the two 34-31 games, and everybody else was back here. But I was sort of removed. I was back in New York. I walked down to the hotel, and I was going to go to Madison Madison Square Garden, or maybe it was the, uh, the game for the Nets. Somewhere rich to eat or something. Yeah, he like. was going to go one of those one of those two games, and Tom Chambers, that had played basketball at Utah, uh, he was down there, and he was playing for the Jazz. And as I walked down into the lobby, he goes, hey, did you hear? hear? And I said, what? And he goes, Utah beat BYU. And I just said, no, they didn't. And he, I said, you're kidding me. And he goes, no, no, Utah beat BYU. And then, and, and then he went over, and he was telling the mailman, he was telling Stockton, and and the jazz players were were pretty excited about that. I guess they'd worked uh, you know worked out a lot at the U, had some connections to the U, and they were they pretty excited. But yeah, so that was a game I didn't see anything about, but I learned about it from Tom Tom Chambers in New York.
0: Now that score uh, was repeated the next year. Mike And Mike probably knows more about the history of University of Utah sports than anyone I know. Mike. Remember those back-to-back 34-31s that obviously led to some commercials on television with Mack and uh, Lavelle Edwards, and it's kind of a fun way to jab Cougar fans as far as Ute fans were were concerned at the time.
2: Yeah, it really was. And I was actually the beat writer back in 94 covering Utah, and I still remember that game because Utah had lost two games. They had their best season up to that point. In fact, Brad and I were in New Mexico a couple weeks before that, and they lost this horrible game. Then they lost to Air Force, and so their season went to pot, but they had this one last game against BYU t- to get back into some, you know, positive things, and so and I still remember they were down, they fell behind 31 to 27, and, and uh, there was this, and the B- Utah was driving down the field, and there was this chant in the crowd, 34 <laughs> 31, because they'd won that, one it the year before, yeah. and, uh, and then the, actually it actually didn't look like they were going to do it until Cal Beck, you know, had this 67-yard uh, kickoff return in the final minute to put him in, in position and then Mike McCoy hit Charlie Brown with that 20-yard pass to win at 34-31 and it was uh you know it came out that same score but it was it was amazing that to have two two consecutive years the same score and Utah came back to win both games.
0: And ironically, Utah had that score three years in a row because the next year Utah won with 34 points, but BYU didn't deliver on their end that year. I think <laughs> scoring went... 34-17,
2: yeah.
0: 17, right, in Provo. So um, let's just keep moving forward, guys. Uh, anybody have a game that takes them beyond there that first comes to mind? Well,
1: you know, for me, Derek, uh, I guess obviously one you jump in quite a ways ahead, but then you go to the festival game, the game that got them in the festival in uh, in in 2004 right. and uh, you know that was uh, that, that was a you know a really well played game i think it was 52 to 21 for utah and uh, and i remember that was the first time i felt endangered in a crowd went on the field they jumped the jumped the walls jumped on the field and if you remember mike uh, you know they they, pull, they did pull down the goal post then and uh, they were pushing people against the wall. And I remember that south wall. I remember there was uh, some people up there I thought might get, might get crushed up against the wall. It was so, uh, so crazy. But, yeah, great game and put them in a, in a different place. And you know, When you want to talk about BYU and Utah game being important, um, Utah was carrying the weight of all the mid-major schools. And, uh, and, and they won that big. Well, game day was
0: there. Remember, I think mm-hmm. Alex Smith and others were wearing sombreros after the game. I mean, the chips were flying, Fiesta Bowl, the bed was locked up. Do you remember that game, Mike?
2: Yeah, I really do. Uh, I remember people were throwing uh, tacos or uh, tortillas <clears> onto <throat> the field right. or whatever and wearing sombrero hats because they were anticipating the Fiesta Bowl if they won the game. I guess would they have gone anyway, but I think they – was seemed to be what – But the Utah was a big favorite that year. That was going to Gary right. Croton's – uh, last year's, and Utah won by 31 points, and it was just kind of a route after, uh, you know, kind of a good, well-played game in the first half, but yeah, it was a big game for Utah.
0: You know, to jump back just a little bit, the 2003 game is very memorable to me. I've never been that cold in my life getting out of my car. Remember, that was freezing cold down in Provo. Utah won three to nothing, yes. and uh, that was a great game. I mean, that mm-hmm. keeps you on pins and needles, and I was never more grateful to be able to watch a game inside in my life, because... <laughs> That was called, but that really, quote-unquote, heated things up for the Utes because that propelled them into the next season,
1: obviously, where, where good things happened for us and, and if I remember right, Dirk, Coach Whittingham, I think that's the one he said, beautiful game. This is beautiful. Three to nothing. He's good with that. The yeah. defensive coach of, of all time. Urban didn't uh, agree a, with him, though. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Whit loved it.
0: But, you know, I remember the, the field goal was made and the, and the frigid temperatures. And I think it was Casey Evans that – Picked off a pass toward the end, end of the game. To, you know, that was the first time in years, I think, that BYU had been shut out too. And to have it happen at home on a cold day uh, was, you know, if you're a Utah fan, you probably took great joy in watching the boys in blue uh, freezing and going home <laughs> without any points. I
2: just remember I was sitting in my living room and I enjoying it in the comfort of the fire next to me, so I didn't have to worry <laughs> about that. But it sure looked miserable because it was it was snow and cold, wasn't it? Yeah, it you was. know,
0: I did such a short walk from the parking lot to the to the stadium, but boy. It was cold. That was, that was real cold. Um, those two games are obviously memorable. Um, we've talked about many that have been great. Then they went in this stretch when Bronco and Kyle Whittingham were coaching that there were some games that literally went down to the last play and a lot of dis- you know things that were decided. Of all those tight, close games, and I think Utah won most of them, if not all of them, what, uh, what comes to mind? Obviously, there's the Harleen one in the end zone that didn't work out so well for you, but I do remember – how classy Eric Weddle was after that game, you know, and he and John Beck walking off the field together in that. And you know, it, sometimes in this rivalry, guys, I think uh, people forget it's just a game. It's not anything more than that. I think they'd be surprised that the coaches are, f- for the most part, are friends. A lot of the players are friends. Yeah, it's fun to get into it and all that. But it's just a game, and there's been some good ones. Um, which of these tight ones in the last decade or so come to mind for you, Brad? Well,
1: was it 2010? Brandon Burton blocked the kick at the end mm-hmm. of the game. Yeah, 2010, and we were down on the field. I think most, all of us were down there, and uh, we're, we're on the, you know, on the sidelines there, right there, and you could just see Brandon Burton line up on the edge, right, you know, right there in front of you, and then uh, as, as the play snapped. I look at it, and I go, there's, there's not anybody going to touch this guy. And it was a dead sprint, and he just laid out and and laid out and blocked, uh, blocked the kick. So, you know, that was the first one. I, I'll, I'll, I'll give up the time so you can talk about the tw- the 2012 game that uh, had several f- different finishes, and we were on a midnight deadline, if I remember right. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, tell me, Mike, uh, what do you remember about that?
2: Well, I was actually going to f- mention what far one of the best performances of that 2011 game in between. Uh, That was the largest victory Utah had had since back when Dirk was a kid back in 1922 when they won 49 to nothing (laughs) but uh, they won 54 to 10 but you know what's amazing about that game is you know people think that was the biggest route ever but Utah was actually losing that game 10 to 7 in the middle of the second quarter and all of a sudden they scored with uh, in the final 30 seconds and they they scored 47 straight points and it just you know that's a game that BYU fans will never get over because it was such a a route but uh, you know it, it wasn't it was a route but it It's funny that people don't realize it was actually a close game for nearly a half, and then Utah just poured it on the second half at 40 points, and it was uh – you know, i could say the second biggest victory ever.
0: Oh, well, that was a great game. I, I think of, uh you know mentioned it's we've mentioned a bunch of them but yeah, you know, there were games like you said that one that, that kept going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. They had several different endings. I think was it three times they brought the teams back on the field to, mm-hmm. to revisit that that was the game in help me
1: on the year on that guys where they the finish was well, the players rushed the field. The fans rushed the field, yes. and they th- yeah, they thought the they thought the game was over. BYU got stopped on a third down, I think it was. They thought the game was over. They rushed the field, called it back. That was twenty twelve, yeah. right? That was yeah,
2: uh-huh.
1: yeah, yeah, twenty twelve, yeah.
2: And Utah was up like twenty four to seven, and then they just BYU caught up, and then they just they had it, the Utah had the game in the bag, and they just kept uh, blowing it at the end. You know, with those, you know, the fans came on the field, and they they moved them up fifteen yards. And then the guy hit it off the goal post. Yeah.
1: Did one get blocked? I'm trying to remember. Did, that, did one field goal get blocked and then and then the second one hit the goal post? Or do you remember? That's what I love
0: about this rivalry. <laughs> we remember bits <laughs> I, and I, pieces. And you know what? Yeah. Who's going to check up on us? I, on I, this? I,
1: yeah,
2: <laughs> I'd have to check that out.
0: Mm-hmm. So jump ahead. Just the last couple of years, any of the games come to mind, guys? <laughs> You know, I well, the 2015
2: I yeah. game was—I mean, that was the most amazing first quarter I've ever seen in my life. The bowl game, yeah. down in Las Vegas. I thought they were going to win seventy to nothing, and they're up thirty-five nothing, and it's still what three minutes to go in the first quarter, and then Utah just kind of took their foot off the gas or whatever, fell asleep, and Bou came back and had a chance to have a—you know—tie the game in the last quarter, and Utah won by seven. So. That was a memorable game just for the fact that it was. that was the opposite of the other game. It was a route, and then all of a sudden it became close.
0: And who would have ever thought, the forefathers of this rivalry, that the rivalry would actually get played on the— Sacred ground of Las Vegas, Nevada. What do you
1: think? <laughs> yeah, did you, of didn't Las you mix many it up bucks. a little bit with somebody from there uh, uh, the We try to yeah. mess it up.
0: <laughs> well, then, it was, then the rivalry was renewed, obviously, after that. Um, the, the last couple of years, I think Utah won 20-19 to 19 in the 2016, 19-13 last season. Even though Utah and BYU are in different places right now, the
1: games continue to be close. Do you anticipate that's going to be the case again this time? Yeah, I think so, Derek. I, uh, I, I think that they'll manage it. Utah's certainly got those injuries. I, I think what one of the big factors in that game is going to be the fact that uh, how healthy BYU is. We know how healthy Utah uh, is at this point, and that's not very good. I think if you line up Utah's second-string guys against BYU's second-string guys, it's not going to be that close.
2: All right, Mike, any final thoughts? I think the same thing. You always have close games, and uh, no matter what, who's favored by a lot of points, somehow it's always going to be a close game. So I wouldn't expect anything less this year. Uh, it's Connor Connoisseur kick or
0: Brandon Burton block. We don't know what to expect, but the one good thing is uh, it'll probably keep us all in our seats till the end. This Rivalry Week episode is brought to you by the Salt Lake Stallions. Their website is saltlakesstallions.com, and their phone number is one eight three three. AAF 2019. We're bringing you a brand new episode every day this week, so enjoy and be sure to subscribe to this podcast so that you don't miss a single episode. Thanks for joining us for this special edition of Desert News and Insiders Podcast.